He starts off with two verses, Eicha and Ishayo. Let us examine our ways, evaluate, return until God and Yeshaya, and we'll be on that day. Yosef Od, Shaisrof, Letas, Beis Yaakov, Lishoin, Makeo, the house of Jacob. The remnant of Israel shall no longer lean on the one who strikes it. And he will rely on God, the Holy One of Israel in truth. Many great people have asked, This perpetual hatred, anti-Semit, those who hate the Jewish people, son of Neshem, Al Yisrael, this is children of Israel. Each one has struggled to discern some explanation that is correct for this heavy question. Each one in his own way. Each one according to his own understanding. His own perspective. On Judaism. The ways of the children of Israel. As they relate to the nations. That dwell in their midst. They, they dwell in the midst of these nations. And they are stumped there in, in wonderment. And we, at the, at the foot of our pure Torah, the Monsen of Ammon, and our trustworthy faith, we also speak with the help of God in this matter. And let us say that the primary matter, the hatred of antisemites against the Jewish nation, it is known to every man of Israel. And it is common in his mouth. We mention this on the night of Passover, the night of the Seder. We say, And this has stood for us, for our forefathers and for us. We start the story of antisemitism quite early with Jacob's father-in-law, Lavan, who sought, sought to destroy everything, to uproot the entire Jewish nation from forming. And this idea of looking at the original source is, in a textual sense, brought by the Ibn Ezra in his introduction, Important thing to know. He says you want to know about the meaning of a word, the way it's used in its initial context is invaluable because you can have deviations of connotations, but the primary understanding of a word will be invariably manifest in the first, and sometimes it's the only, but certainly if a word comes up more than once, the first place that Nestor says 
that is the, uh, your primary understanding of the word. So this is taking that idea in a conceptual sense. The first incident, if you will, of anti-Semitism is Lavan in the Torah, which is interesting. We, we find that Asaf is considered one who hates Yaakov, but that's not necessarily anti-Semitic. I mean, he's got, he's got his beef with him, and he feels that he was swindled. Of course, he did enter into the deal, but it's not just a, an irrational, like, what is this about? You know, Yaakov did something to bring about this hatred against himself. Well, upon him, we find Lavan is the paradigm of the beginning of anti-Semitism that seeks to destroy the Jewish people. Kinas HaOsher, one we see the jealousy of wealth, Shagneva Evel, Balulim Sinas Hamunav Avoras He's going to explain how this is this is derived, but twofold are the, uh, the the roots of this hatred. One is wealth. We do find that Yaakov became dazzlingly wealthy, that precipitated a change among Lavan's sons, and then Lavan, and. That led to suspicion of theft and deception. How could he be so successful if he's not he's not a magician over here? He must be tricking somehow, somewhere. And that comes together with a hatred of the faith and the divine service. And behold, it would appear, just looking at the simple storyline, between Yaakov and Lovan, we do not find that they were terribly engaged in theological discussion. We do find, at the simple reading of the verses, jealousy of wealth, suspicion of theft, right? Why have you stolen my gods? We do see that there's some jealousy on a financial Plain. Rak hema niul lirdof achrov. Vinaim came lohay lev lovin ra el yakubavat. This was the impetus for lovin to chase after Yaakov. But based on that limited sphere of contention, his hatred should have been directed solely against Yaakov. Yaakov, his son-in-law, the cheat, from his perspective. Not that that was warranted, but as much as that's the concern. We do not find that there is an enmity, at least in the simple storyline, based on Yaakov serving God. Therefore, the simple reading, the assertion of the Haggadah, that we say at the Seder, that Lavan, we assert, Lavan sought to uproot everything. 
Mashma Shabiki Shlakar Gam Esavaras Hashem. He also sought to uproot the service of God. Shayadus, in a nutshell, that is Judaism. It seems that he only wanted to kill Yaakov. Not the rest of his brethren, his children. Those in the service of God like him. Clearly our, our masters understood. Lo and sought to uproot faith and the service of God. There should be no Judaism in the world. And now he says in brackets here, when we discuss Yadus, Judaism, we are discussing, obviously, in its embryonic form. And his gava, das el echabards, we're speaking about the constellation that would ultimately be more fully manifest with the Torah at Sinai for the Jewish nation. But again, in the embryonic stage, the, the root of monotheism and continuity of the covenant with Avram and Yitzchak, das el echabards, the knowledge of one God. In the universe, in the land, but meaning more broadly, that we were commanded, the children of Israel, from our first patriarch, Avram, from Abraham till today. That is the essence of this nation. This is the strength and sustaining essence for eternity of this nation. This is derived from the verse in Devarim Chavav He, Deuteronomy 26 5. And the Aramean made lost or sought to make lost my father, and they went down to Egypt. It seems from the straightforward, simple reading of the verse is that because Arami because an Aramian sought to make my father lost, we went down to Egypt. And we know, what does one have to do with the other? They're two totally separate incidents. Lavan, the story of Lavan, seems at the face of it to have nothing to do with the story of Yaakov going down to Egypt. What's the connection here? This verse is explained well in accordance with the teaching in Psachim. Pezayin Amadbez, 87b. Really, the Jewish people were fit to have experienced their exile in Aram, in the land of Aram. But when the Holy One, blessed be He, saw the cruelty of Aram, He held back and sent them instead to Babylonia. Pirush, 
We do see that there was steady and continuous friction between the northern kingdom of Israel and Aram. So that would have been a, a straightforward candidate to have brought about the exile. That's where you would have expected for the Jewish people to have been exiled. But the Holy One, blessed be He, saw that on account of the cruelty in Aram, there would not have been a remnant, God forbid, left. Ma'asa, what did he do? He sent them to Babylonia. Bishama, and over there in Babylonia, together with the subjugation of their uh, blocked hearts, there is a, a filling also, a filling up with the word of God through the hand of Moshe, his servant. Even though they were in the land of their enemies, God has not rejected them. It says in that God has not forsaken us, despised us, to have us uh, completely wiped out, to uh, renege on his covenant. Hebris Hayadus, this is the covenant of Yadus of uh, between God and the Jewish people. This also occurred to our patriarch Jacob. It was decreed upon him to be a stranger in a strange land. And he could have remained in Aram. Aval army of Arabi. But an Aramean sought to cause my father to be lost. Lavon did want to uproot Judaism. Besides his jealousy over Jacob's wealth, had they remained, had the family of Yaakov remained in Aram, they would not have been able to maintain their spiritual identity. And against their will, they would have been swallowed up and assimilated into Aram. And Judaism, the Jewish nation, would have been entirely lost. Therefore they went to Egypt. And there they became a great nation. As described in the Haggadah on Pesach, they were exceptional there. The children of Israel were exceptional in Egypt. They were unique in their character, in their integrity, and the purity of their their understanding from of God from those 
among who they dwell, among who they dwell, there was, there was a distinction. They were unique and exceptional. And this was the pillar, a worthy foundation from which the Jewish people were built up. And the pleasant hope that was implanted on a spring that continued to flow. This was the promise God made to Abraham. Also, this was a continuous source, a sustaining spiritual source of Jewish continuity. That also explains why we describe something that is historical, that our father was lost, caused to be lost by one in Aram, that he wanted to do this, but it does actually say it in Lashon Oved, in Lashon Hove, in the present sense. It doesn't say that he made him lost. Of course, he didn't make him lost. He wanted to make him lost. But still, it says it in the past tense. I'm sorry, in the present tense, not in the past tense. Why is that? According to what the Nitzvah is saying, it goes very well. That this was more than just the encounter between Yaakov and Lavan, but this was a, a broader consideration. You can find also this presentation of something in the present tense to describe something that is a continuous process and the idea of what Lovin wanted to achieve was a slow death by a thousand cuts, as it were, to uproot slowly, slowly. His wish, Lavan's wish, was to uproot Yaakov from the connection to Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov's children from that continuity as well. From this pure faith in HaKadosh Baruch don't ask from these this passage itself, where do you see that there's any reference to Yadus, to, to Judaism, that Lavan sought to uproot, the Aramean sought to uproot, cause our father to be lost? How do you see this as a, a war against Yadus? As we mentioned, the face value of the Entire story, we don't find a theological war going on. Where we find Lavan sparring with Yaakov about faith. But if you look carefully at the wording of Lavan, when he says to Yaakov, 
I have the power in my hand to do evil with you. And the God of your father appeared to me, told me not to speak to you from good till evil. We learn from here what was in his heart. Lavan spoke broadly. He didn't just say against Yaakov. He said, with you, plural. It wasn't that he was going after Yaakov. He was going after the entire group. Where did he want to do evil? He himself declares, the daughters are his daughters, the sons are his sons, his grandchildren. Should have only said, with you, singular evil. He could have done evil against Yaakov himself. This is referring to all of those that were parties to the faith of Yaakov. They were all part of this continued covenant with Avram Yitzchak. Therefore, Yaakov said, Play so before my brothers. Really, Lavan wanted to kill them all. Even though they had not done anything to him. His desire was to pour out his wrath against Judaism. He found no other way than to uproot it all. The man who serves idols, filled with deceit, in, in, his, in his inner self, like Lavan from the Aramean, it's easy for him to find within Judaism all of these thoughts. The, the thoughts of purity that were relevant to our patriarch Jacob. Yaakov stole his God. Why? His God's why? He knew Yaakov would not have taken them to do his own worship of these idols. Rather, what was he thinking? He was suspecting. Yaakov stole these gods, false gods, for another purpose. To scorn his gods. Shehu avon plili. And he was very offended. He said, he's not recognizing my gods, and he's stealing them. He's making fun of my gods. He's making fun of me. Who's responsible for this? This is the intolerance of Judaism. Judaism is to blame, because it's not willing to buy into my lies. Bez, so that's, Judaism's a problem, right? If, if, if it's not willing to buy into his lies, so it's making fun of him. So, Judaism is calling out the emperor new, new clothes. Sorry. <laughs> so he's very upset about that. He suspected that Yaakov stole it from his house, the, these gods. He has pretty solid evidence that Yaakov is a very righteous person. I mean, the guy's been working for him for 20 years. This guy is pretty righteous. 
El Olam Ovo, and the Master of the Universe loves him. I mean, seems like pretty hard to uh, to move this. El Abishvil Shehudi, Amar Love and Belibo. Lovin said in his heart, He said, well, he's so righteous. And he's close with God. So it must be that according to Judaism, that it's okay to do this. It's okay for him to steal my gods. And that's only coming from Judaism. Because I know that he's such an honest person. So this must be, from Lovin's perspective, a, a manifestation of the crookedness of Judaism. It's allowing Yaakov to steal from Lovin. After this whole thing blows up, and it's proven and clear that Yaakov did not steal anything from Lovin, and he was suspected for no good cause, then he started gazing at all the flocks. Everything that he saw that Yaakov had. He says, everything you have is mine. This is so distorted from the truth. Lavan is busy looking at all of Yaakov's wealth and saying, oh, it's all mine. Well, what's the real truth? Is that this was God's gift to Yaakov through very hard work. And not only that, Lavan's own wealth was a byproduct of that blessing that God wanted to give to Yaakov. And the, the, not only is, is what, if there's anything to be called anybody's, Everything that Lovin is seeing, that's Yaakov's wealth, is a gift of God. But if he looks at his own flock, in truth, he should say, I was blessed on account of Yaakov. And instead, he's saying, all that blessing Yaakov has, it's really mine. It's totally backwards. In fact, Lovin, in a more clear-headed moment, said earlier, in Laman Chavzai, in 30.27, that I have divined, and in my divination I saw that God has blessed me on your account. So Lovon did, in his moments of clarity, recognize this. In Kolzots, Motzo Lovon, to Anna Lomar, nonetheless, he found a gripe to say, Everything that Yaakov acquired in his territory, his land, really, it all should go to Lovon. From Lovon's perspective, he's acquired this wealth deceptively and not in an unjust manner. And in all of this is only the force of Judaism that is exerting this insidious effect. Laharim al mi to cause some type of trickery or deception against someone who is not a member of the Jewish faith. Therefore, he, he maintained this animosity against Judaism. 
He wanted to uproot it entirely without leaving a remnant. He said in his heart, Anybody who goes by its flag, anybody who identifies as Jewish, it's not for God appearing to him in a dream at night. Guard yourself not to speak to Jacob, not from good to evil. If not for that, he was ready to do what he thought was good for the world to entirely obliterate Judaism. And these claims have taken many types of forms and shapes throughout the generations, throughout the lands of the world. There's variations on this theme, which is first uh, really manifest in the, the struggle between Lavan and Yaakov.